0: You're listening to audio from First Christian Church. To find out more about us or to donate to our ministries, visit firstabq.org. Well, good morning, First Christian Albuquerque. We are glad that you are here. A little personal note on the front end, the beautiful flowers that you see up front are from our dear brother Scott Berry's services yesterday and the family wanted to share this beauty with us today and uh, just a little piece of their celebration of his life. Great man, leader of Educate Behold, very active member here and we just extend our best wishes to the entire Berry family as they grieve along with us. They also want to thank all of you. I mean you know who you are, We did have a good celebration yesterday with food and time to be together so thank you for your part in that and then another thing i want to just personally welcome all of you some of you may be coming to first for the very first time and we want you to feel at home and uh, make yourself comfortable and we're just glad that you're here some of you are joining us online and Uh, Most of us are hiding out from the cameras today, but we wave and say hello to you online, and we'd even invite you at home to take a bow, because we're glad that you're joining us as well. Our passage today, if you don't mind standing back up, comes from the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 6, starting in verse 45. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowds. After saying farewell to them, he went up on the mountain to pray. When evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. When he saw that they were straining at the oars against an adverse wind, he came towards them, early in the morning, walking on the sea. He intended to pass them by, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, take heart, it's I, don't be afraid. When he got in the boat with them, the wind ceased. and They were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves but their hearts were hardened. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, I want to thank you for two years, two years and four some months that the Bryce family has been able to be with you. And as we turn the calendar on another year, I'm just reminded of how grateful I am to get to work with this group of ministers, this group of elders, and to serve alongside of all of you. It is a real blessing and so i just want to thank you for that and acknowledge that this is very important that we get to do this together i mean it kind of feels like another year has slipped by doesn't it can you believe that we're writing 2022 already having to just think that yet another year has passed us by and i don't know maybe you're in that disbelief mode maybe you've already given up on all of your resolutions here only eight days you know, into the year, you've just given up, set them aside. Maybe today you're starting fresh. You're gonna pretend like this is New Year's Day and you're gonna begin again. I don't know, maybe it's health, maybe it's diet. There's all kinds of things that you might be doing. But really and truly, the holidays are behind us. All that crinkled up paper has made its way to the recycling The lights, maybe this weekend, you were trying to cram back into boxes that you thought they fit before, but they don't fit anymore. And the holidays are behind us. We're back into school, we're back into routine. And for those of us that like holidays, we're gonna have to wait till Valentine's or MLK or President's Day before we get another holiday. And it won't be like the one that we've just passed. And maybe, maybe you find yourself a little sad, a little gloomy with the holidays behind you. Maybe they weren't as good as what you'd hope. You had to deal with some different family issues, or the people that you wanted to be around didn't get to come, or the people that you didn't want to be around were there for a very long time. It's just kind of normal that it kind of sets in where you have this heaviness after the holidays. And you may not know this, but there's actually a term for this, seasonal affective disorder. Or sad. It's a real thing. I'm not joking about this. Where in the late fall, as winter begins to set in, we just find ourselves a little gloomy. And maybe it's because we've had to been obligated to be joyful for so long. Or maybe we're just feeling those longer days, or the the shorter days with longer nights, and we just feel that gloom. And our holiday cheer and our New Year's cheer has really faded away. Now, I might just sound like a Scrooge, but maybe you're in this same boat of thinking, well, everybody else must have had a good time, but I sure didn't. As these holiday blues hopefully drift into the background, we turn over a new year. And so I wonder at First Christian, how is it that seekers of God begin a new year? I mean, if you're new to FIRST, you may not know what our mission statement is. If you've been here for any length of time, you'll know that our focus is follow Jesus. That's what we're about. We are followers of Jesus, and we invite anyone that wants to, to come alongside of us. And we don't have it together, do we? Does anybody have it together? We're not perfect in how we follow Jesus, but we invite you to join with us in this journey of following Jesus. But how are we supposed to? begin this new year as seekers of God and followers of Jesus. For me, me personally, I turn to scripture. I find value in these stories, these words, this inspiration that comes from God through the lives of people that are just like us. Things that illuminate for me the path forward, a a way to live in this world. And the images and the stories help shape and define who I am. And so with this story that we've read today, we're going to jump in and take a look. It's one of those times whenever Jesus really wanted to get away. He had sent his disciples out on a mission, given them power, giving them a message to speak about the arrival of the kingdom of God, and they came back and they were kind of excited. They wanted to tell Jesus, and he said, this is great, let's go away. By ourselves to a deserted place. Well, they hit smack dab into a crowd of 5,000 people who are hungry and sick and diseased. And so Jesus does what Jesus does. He feeds them. He focuses in on ministering to these people. And it gets to the end of this unplanned meal, and it's evening time, and it's really time to be away. And so Jesus dismisses the crowd. Goodbye, we'll see you later. He even turns to his disciples and he dismisses them. He sends them off in a boat. And he goes up a mountain to pray. And he spends all night praying. He is up on the mountain praying alone, by himself. Well, somewhere around three o'clock to six o'clock, he looks down and sees the disciples still in the boat on the lake, and they are straining. They're straining against the winds and the waves. And, you know, you have to wonder what Jesus is doing as he watches them. Well, I don't have to wonder. I can tell you. It's written in there. He is up on the mountain praying. So I believe he's praying for them. But he doesn't just pray. He begins to make his way down the mountain. And he is standing on the land, and they are out on the water And he goes out to them on the water. Now, this is not the story where he tells them, cast your nets on the other side and you'll catch some fish. This is not the story where he invites Peter to come out to him on the water. This is not even the story where he's asleep in the stern of the boat. This is Mark. This is Jesus walking on the water out to the people that are in his discipleship group that are in this boat. And he goes to them, and he intends to pass them by. Did you catch that? He intends to pass them by? That doesn't make sense to me. Now, those of you that know me, as I turn to Scripture, I tend to hang on to it. And this is one of those Scriptures where I want to hang on to Jesus and say, "Well, well, wait a second, what do you mean, intend to pass them by? Because with Jesus coming down to them on the water, I assume that he's going to help. Is that what you assume too? That, he, that he's headed down there to do something to make a difference. And instead, it's almost like it's this divine boat race where Jesus is just going to stroll right past him and he's going to go faster through the waves and the waters than they're able to do on the boat. That doesn't make any sense to me. And so I grab onto Jesus and I want to know a little bit more. And it's at this point that I kind of want to pause because at this scene in the story, Jesus is strolling on the water. The disciples are terrified because they think he's a ghost, a phantasm. So let's just freeze it with their terrified looks and Jesus strolling on the water. And if you can, I want to take you back to try to make sense of why Jesus is passing them by. Have you heard of a guy named Moses? Yep, hopefully you've heard of Moses. We spend a lot of time with Moses. Thanks, Corbett. We spent a lot of time with Moses in the fall, and late in the book of Exodus with Moses, there's a time where God says, okay, I'm not going to be with you anymore. My presence is going to be withdrawn from you. And Moses says, oh no, that's not going to happen. I need more of your presence. I'm going to need you to show me your presence. And God relents and says, all right, I'm going to put you in this cave, in a cleft of the rock, and I'm going to cover that cave, and I'm going to make all my goodness to pass by you, and you're going to see my backside. And it's in that moment that God again speaks his name of Yahweh. I am that I am, and Moses sees the goodness of God. Another story. This one from 1 Kings 19. A prophet Elijah, he's just done some amazing things. He's faced off against a bunch of pagan prophets and seen them all wiped out. He's called down fire from heaven. He's prayed for it to not rain, and it hasn't rained for three years. And at the end of that story, he runs away because he's terrified, because the queen wants to kill him. And in that moment, God says, what are you doing, Elijah? Where are you? And Elijah's afraid. And what happens in that moment is that an earthquake shakes the mountain. A fire burns through the valley, but God's not in the fire. He's not in the earthquake. He's in the sound of sheer silence passing by. One more story, a story of Job. We know about Job, a man who faced incredible suffering, all kinds of death, almost his entire family, wiping out of his fortunes. Job faced it all. In Job chapter 9, verse 8 through 11, he describes that God is full of mystery, full of marvelous works. In fact, God stretched out the heavens. He made all that we can see, and his wonders are amazing. But then he says in verse 11 that God passes him by, and he doesn't see him. That God is moving on in life and he does not recognize him. Now those first two stories might seem fanciful to you of Moses or Elijah, but here with Job's words of him describing that God passes by and sometimes we can't see him, that tends to make sense. What we're getting is a story of the appearance of God, of theophanies. This is what happens whenever God comes close and God comes near. And I think Mark wants to make sure that we're catching that in this gospel. What about us? I mean, in this story, if we think about the disciples, they're just doing what Jesus told them to do. Get in the boat, go on ahead. And yet they're fighting this wind. They're fighting against this wind. Have you been there before? where you're just trying to do what God wants you to do. You're just trying to do things right, but it's not working out for you. Marriage coming unraveled despite all of your efforts. The family member that you just want to fix, you want to repair, the, it's the same. Years, decades of investing in this person, trying to fix things, they just won't go away. Someone in your life with with no relationship with God that you're trying to get them to see God and yet despite all of your efforts, they're not paying any attention. The temptations that plague you over and over again that you think you've got beat and then they're just right back in bed with you again. Do you feel like this? Where you're doing what God tells you to do but you feel like it's not working out. There's seasons in life when Jesus is unrecognized. When God feels absent. And it feels almost like God sends us away out in the boat on our own to face struggles and difficulties on our own. I don't know. Things like a pandemic. Where's God in that? What about times whenever we just want God to be present with us and it seems like God is sending us away? Or even where God's own presence provokes fear, like it does in the disciples, where they see Jesus, and it's actually Jesus, but they think, well, this is a ghost. What are we supposed to do with this? I think sometimes we're that way with church people, or with Christians, or with ministers, where we kind of need to hold them at a distance, because a church, or a church member, or a minister in the past said something, or did something that hurt us, that wounded us, and we don't recognize God and what they've done, and we just want to be away from them because they look like a ghost. Let me tell you this. If you are growing in your relationship with God, Jesus' time times going to look different. It's going to look different than what you expect. God is not one that's predictable or formulaic. God is not given to our control over his presence in our lives. We don't get to manipulate God and make him do what we want. It just doesn't happen that way. Sometimes God acts in ways that are outside of what we recognize and outside even of what we wish. And we might feel like God is not present. But maybe he isn't. Maybe he is present. Now, we clicked pause on that story, didn't we? With the disciples looking terrified because they're seeing Jesus like a ghost and Jesus strolling on the water in this seemingly boat versus Jesus race that's taking place. But if we pause and unclick that pause, we're able to hear what Jesus said. He says, Take courage. It's me. Don't be afraid. Listen to those words, those three things that Jesus says. Take courage. Take courage. Let it be poured into your heart. Whenever we have courage, it doesn't mean that there's not terrible things around us. Courage isn't the absence of difficulty. It's not calm waters. Courage happens whenever things are quite difficult, whenever the suffering is most intense. And Jesus says, let that pour into your heart. Things are not what they appear. It's not all bad. It's not all awful, and God is working in this. Hang on against this adverse wind. So even though we can't trust the boat and we can't trust the waves that are going on around us, we know whom we can trust. And Jesus says, take courage. This phrase, it's me. It's I. It's I kind of sounds a little too formal. But what Jesus says is, I am. In the Greek, it's ego emi. It's the same thing that would have been spoken in the Hebrew of Yahweh God being present. I am that I am. That word that was given to Moses at the burning bush, and that word given, and even the story I just shared with you of God passing by, is spoken here by Jesus saying, I am with you. That presence is powerful. Even when we don't recognize Jesus, even when we think Jesus is a ghost, he's present. It takes us looking for God in some unusual places that God might even be most manifest in some of our biggest fears, some of our greatest obstacles. Take courage. It's me. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid is a line that's often said whenever people come close to any messenger of God or anything resembling God. They're terrified. We just get scared. And often those messengers will reassure with that refrain, don't be afraid. So what we have is Jesus coming as the Son of God, owning that, and Mark pointing to it very clearly. And we have this amazing move of Jesus, And yet, what's the response of the disciples? It's probably a lot like my response. You can see it in verse 51 and 52. They're stunned. They don't understand. Their their hearts are hardened. They don't get it. There are things in our life where we want God to be present, where we want God to act, and we can't yet see if you think about what they've seen, you might be jealous of it because they've just seen Jesus and full-on Messiah. He's just fed thousands of people. He's just walked across the water. In the next verses, he's going to heal people. I mean, how powerful is that? But they're stunned. They're shocked because their hearts have not yet been opened to be penetrated with who God is and who Jesus is. This message is quite powerful and quite meaningful to me. Because if we look at Moses and we look at Elijah or Job, those stories are amazing, but they're their stories. Here with Jesus, we see something much more personal. Because Jesus doesn't just pass by like those stories, right? Passing by Moses, passing by Elijah, passing by unperceived by Job. No, this one gets in the boat with them. Tell me that's not amazing. When we think about the incarnation of God, coming in the flesh as Jesus and being willing to get into the boat with us, the chaos of our lives, the uncertainty of what's going on all around us, God not only comes down the mountain, but walks across those chaotic waters and gets in the boat with us. We're not alone. We are taking courage because it's Jesus, and we don't have to be afraid. Jesus is with us in the boat. Now, I think, as I mentioned earlier, that Jesus was up there on the mountain praying for them. Because that's what Mark tells us. And we know that Mark is watching and seeing what we're going through, the difficulties that we face. He sees it. There's a passage that you've got, to, you've got to read. Just flip over right now. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, to teach us something about how Jesus functions in our life. Maybe you're familiar with this. Maybe you'll hear it in a new way. Consequently, He, Jesus, is able for all time to save those who approach God through Him, since He always lives to make intercession them, Did you hear that? He always lives to make intercession for them. Jesus' ministry is praying for you, praying for me. He sees us in the struggle, and he is always and for all eternity making intercession on our behalf. If you want to know where God is, Jesus shows us God in a powerful way. That he is present with us in the boat that he has not abandoned us and he ever lives to pray with us. That's an image that I need. That's why scripture helps me with the ghostly and ghastly things that, that I might have to deal with. I hope this image helps you as well with the difficulties that you face in your present moment. Because God is taking all things, whether they're good or bad, all things and making them good. And as we're at the front of this new year, I want you to take this day and make it a holy day. Make every day a holy day. I'm not so much worried about your diets or your exercise or how many laps you're going to run or new habits that you're going to start. All of those are good. I'm interested in you being in the boat with Jesus and recognizing that you are not alone, that he is present with us first and foremost he is present with us and that we can hear his words with us in the boat take courage i am don't be afraid his presence and his words take us into a different kind of way of life a life that's much more calm even with chaos going on all around us well i didn't didn't tell you enough about seasonal affective disorder. I didn't, I didn't fill, finish that. This little disease that sometimes can hit us in the late fall and early winter, where we just kind of feel gloomy or down, has kind of an interesting antidote. It's They've kind of tracked this and done research that like people in Florida, there's only maybe about 1% of the population that deal with this. But if you go up in latitude up to say New Hampshire, it's more like nine to 14% of the population. So as the days get more cold, as the the winters make these nights so much longer, the difference is light, light. Being out in sunlight changes that. And I, I like that, you know, from a spiritual standpoint, I'm really in an image mode today, metaphor mode. To be close to the light, to the source of energy, to the giver of life is where we need to be and i pray that that's who who we will be close to that we will recognize that jesus is present with us that he's saying don't be afraid i'm with you be encouraged jimmy's going to come and sing with us and i want to invite all of you to stand and i want us to remember that we're not alone in this a lot of you are already praying for your neighbors. And if you haven't yet joined us in this adventure of praying for our neighbors, you can pick up one of the blessed brochures in the the lobby on your way out. But we want to be praying for our neighbors, people who don't know Jesus, people who don't have that light close to them. And so if you haven't already started, this is your time. Let's begin praying. Let's continue in worship.